You ever been walking down the street and something sparkles in front of you and you reach down and you think, oh, a quarter. Happened with Noah last night. There's just that excitement of getting something free. I was fascinated to learn that the late congressman Saul Bloom would habitually just drop a coin on the sidewalk. And somebody asked him why he would do it, and he said, Oh, somebody is sure to find it and be happy the rest of the day. I thought, How cool! What a great idea. He would know the person, but he knew that people would like getting something free. And so we think then about the the slaves in this story who got something for free. And not just a quarter. This talent that we hear about is, uh, is a unit of measure worth, in that time, about 15 years of a laborer's wages. So I did the math for the minimum wage today, which is six fifty-five an hour, that equals about just over 13600 for a year. You multiply that times 15 years, and you get just over $200,000. Well, that's a laborer. Most of us are beyond that. So bring it home for yourself and think about your annual salary and multiply that times 15. And and then you have an idea of what one talent is. But here's the landowner. He's given out what, in our terms, would be about $1.5 million to these three people. What would you do with your $200,000 million, $2 million? How does the stock market sound these days? How about real estate? Are you certain you could liquidate it when your employer returned? CDs are getting better rates these days. But what if the master returns and expects his money before the CD comes due? Is it not tempting then to hide away the money? At least for a moment, let's just go dig a hole in the backyard And we'll stash the box there. And then when things start looking up in the next few days or a few weeks, we'll invest it then. A sweatshirt advertised in a catalog said, Top ten reasons to procrastinate. One. And it was blank. We can find myriad reasons to avoid using our opportunities wisely. Poor timing for investments, perhaps, procrastination. But I think the most common one for us in church is fear. Ann Landers was asked one time if there was a predominant theme in all the letters that she received. She'd get about 10,000 letters a month. And she said, the one problem above all others seems to be fear. People are afraid of losing their health, their wealth, and their loved ones. People are afraid of life itself. Tony Campolo spoke this past week at the Baptist General Association of Virginia meeting here in Roanoke. He's a great storyteller. I 
I'm not going to spend the 20 minutes telling the story that he did, but I'm going to shorten one of them for you because I think it relates well to people who have overcome or who are overcoming fear. He said that a pastor friend of his who was at a church in the Upper East Side of Manhattan would go to the same greasy spoon every morning about 6.30. And he would get coffee and a donut. The place was usually quiet. Everyone else having their coffee, their donut, whatever, reading the paper, reading a magazine. It was always quiet. Well, after about six weeks of the, these quiet breakfasts, of course, he's a pastor. He has to talk. And he says, okay, everybody, we're all here every day, but nobody knows each other. Nobody's talking. Let's at least tell each other who we are and what we do. My name's Gordon, and I'm a pastor. And, of course, at first he got these kind of strange looks, but then one by one the people started going around and saying their names and saying what they do. And they were surprised that one was a famous author. There, was a couple, there were a couple of celebrity uh, athletes in there and several others. And so having known their names and what they do, they, they began to see commonalities and they began to have conversations those mornings when they would have their coffee and donuts. Well, just asking for someone's name can be an investment in getting to know them. Think, before I continue the story, about what is important for you to invest in. Where do you see the greatest return on your investments? Maybe it's in the lives of children. Maybe you've seen that here in the church. Maybe you've seen it in the workplace. Here in the church, our members will receive a draft of next year's budget. And we'll see where our tithes and our offerings go. So, congregation, if you don't feel like you're getting enough of a return on your investment, you should be at this meeting to talk about what your returns should be. What should be different? Express your concerns. Our greatest investment is in people. So one day, Campolo continues, someone says to the proprietor, Hey, Harry, we don't know anything about you. Tell us something about yourself. And Harry looked up, and at first he didn't say anything as if he was trying to decide how much to say. And then he said, okay, my real name is not Harry. My real name is Hasim. I am from Iraq, and my family is in Baghdad, awaiting the first bombs from America. And a new silence fell upon that greasy spoon and people left earlier that morning than usual because they just didn't know what to say. Many of them were Jews and here was an Arab Muslim. Fear. The next morning, Gordon was shaving when he heard on the news that the bombing of Baghdad had begun. 
He quickly wiped the shaving cream off his face, got ready, ran to the subway. He wanted to be at Hasim's greasy spoon by 6 o'clock when he opened. He wanted to, to have a friendly face there to give him some encouragement. So imagine his shock and then his also the warmth of his heart when he saw that everyone who was normally there in the morning had already gathered outside Hasim's greasy spoon to wait for him. And when Hasim came, there were hugs, there were tears, there were words of sorrow, there were attempted words of hope. And then the author, Tom Wolfe, said to Gordon, You're the preacher. Say something. You pray. And so he did. He prayed for Hasim's family, who was now like their extended family. And he prayed for the end of war. And he prayed for peace. After the prayer, it's like a little epilogue that Tony Campolo added. And after he collected his emotions, Hasim said, All right, all right, you still have to pay for the donuts. But for you, for you, the coffee will always be free. These people conquered their fears, they invested in relationships, and they made a difference in each other's lives. Jewish, Muslim, Christian, black, white, Hispanic, their differences did not matter. They were all human. When we invest in the lives of humans, we change their lives and we change ours. Dr. Viktor Frankl was an Austrian physician who was in a a concentration camp during the Holocaust. Dr. Frankel offered what little medical help he could to the sick and dying. And over time, he also observed an interesting phenomenon. And he sketched it out in his book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. He said that those people in the death camp who kept their sanity and strength the longest were those who tried to help other prisoners and share what little they had. Their physical and mental condition was strengthened by their friendliness, by their compassion, and their focus on someone other than themselves. Dr. Frankel concluded that if someone responds to life by trying to make life better for others, that that effort, simply the effort, reinforces both their psychological stamina and their physical stamina. What an amazing difference it makes when we focus on others. One of you and I were talking earlier this week that sometimes it's like we fear so much doing something wrong that we just don't do anything. That we're laid out like those kids, flat out, not using their muscles. Now, sometimes we need to rest. But then there are other times when we need to use our muscles and build them. 
We don't want to be like that third slave who dug a hole in the ground and buried his gifts instead of investing them or even gambling them. I hesitate to say that in a Baptist church, but you know, you think about the fact that those the first two slaves they could have taken all those talents and you know, at one point the guy with five talents, he could have had 25, but just ended up with five or 10 in the end. Somehow, though, they risked. They took the risks, and they got a great return on their labor. So even though we're talking in the story about monetary investments, I want to suggest three free ways in which you might consider investing. One of them is to invest in prayer. Pray for the workers at the cotton mill next door. Pray for the future residents of the people of the cotton mill. Pray for the people in our church's neighborhood in Old Southwest that we might be able to minister to. Pray for the children and teachers and staff at Hurt Park Elementary School. And I want to give you an opportunity to put your prayers on your feet. Because next Sunday after church, my family and I are going to walk around our church's block after worship. And we're going to stop at each door, whether of our church or of the cotton mill or of the Kazem Temple or the store down the street, and pray for the people there. If you would like to join us, we would welcome you. Pray. Invest in prayer. Second, invest in conversation. Don't dominate the conversation. Listen. Find commonality. Care. Invest in conversation. And third, invest in working together on your common interests and helping each other achieve your goals. When we invest in working together, our ideas are better and our returns exceed almost every expectation. In 1991, a group of investors purchased the basketball floor on which the final four was played. Now, typically, these floors are used by others. They'll try to sell them and recoup some of their costs that way. But this group of people cut up the floor in six by five inch pieces and sold them for $24.95 each. So their creativity turned $65,000 into almost $549,000 in a week. Now usually you only get that kind of return when you invest in the things of God. But that's an amazing return. Our gift, our free gift, is God's good news, what we call the gospel. We don't want to keep that to ourselves. We don't want to let it atrophy and die within us. We have the power with God to reverse the downward trend in our congregation, in our neighborhood, in our world. Invest in God and others 
and watch the returns grow.